Don't you have faith that the Maker can allow things to happen that are for your good? I believe in the Maker, of course. There is too much evidence of his existence, no? But I've found there is a logical explanation for everything that happens. <laughs> then you must be smarter than I thought there, kitty lass. That's a pretty tall order you live by. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. Oh, and by the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven on Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 20 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And each week, we'll take a visit to Jenny's Corner, where we'll get to hear from Jenny Cody herself, the creator of the Epic Order of the Seven. Jenny will give us the inside scoop on all her stories, her inspiration, how she comes up with these great ideas, and much more. And she'll read letters from her loyal listeners, maybe even yours. Well, let's get started, shall we? Here's Max and Liz. Bonjour, everyone, and welcome. I am Lisette Briand. And of course, I'm Maximilian Braveheart the Bruce. But you can call us Max and Liz. And you'll get done greeting us a whole lot sooner that way, then. Uh, quite true. Uh, well, it seems our merry band of animals has grown by leaps and bounds. Aye, it started out just me, and then Al, the big orange kitty. Then your sweetheart, Kate. And now... And now we've got half a barnyard. And we've got some wee flying hummingbirds from some place I never heard of called Argentina. It is a big Spanish-speaking country across an even bigger sea. Well, who about that then? Anyway, it was discovered in 1502... You don't say. ...by Amerigo Vespucci, who also... Well, isn't that fascinating? Uh, next you'll be telling us what the average temperature is. Well, that varies greatly from north to south, where... I was kidding, Liz. Uh, just kidding. I bet it gets real hot and real cold. There. Uh, then, besides the wee humming birds, there's bigger birds. Uh, not flying birds. More just flapping birds. Oui, my friend Jacques, the rooster, and his wife Henriette, the hen. A flapping bird, if I ever did see one. <laughs> Quite. Uh, but as we all get to know each other better, we find out we all have one thing in common. Chapter 20. A Pattern Emerges Liz stopped to lift up a broken blue iris, shaking her head, saying, Phew, as she looked at the mass of blue and gold flowers now lying on the ground. Quel dommage! The beautiful fleur de lis is lost. Liz left the flower and continued walking toward the far side of the garden, calling, Henriette! Jacques! Come here, s'il vous plaît. Rudy and Rosie hovered above Max and Kate as they walked, explaining, Henriette is the mean hen who scolded Al for destroying Lizzie's garden. Jacques is her rooster husband. Liz stopped and turned to Max. May I have a word alone with you, mon ami? Uh, certainly, lass, said Max, 
as he winked reassuringly at Kate, who told Rudy and Rosie to join her down the path. Liz sat down and invited Max to join her. They sat next to a wounded plant with red heart-shaped blooms on a stalk of blue-green leaves. Max waited, not saying a word as he watched Liz inspect this once beautiful flower, knowing that she must be struggling with the demise of something so delicate that she had carefully cultivated. He watched her go silently with a heavy heart about the garden. Dissentoir. How appropriate, no? Liz finally said. She saw Max look at her, his head cocked to one side, not understanding what she meant. Uh, pardon, uh, Dissentoir is the horticultural name for this flower, but you may know it as bleeding heart. Ay, lass. I be truly sorry for the sadness ye feel. Gilliman once told me that gardening can be painful, said Max in sympathy. Liz looked up at Max. How so? What did Gilliman say? Well, he said a good gardener must prune the plants he cares for to help them grow stronger. It may be painful for the plant, but it's necessary to get rid of the branches that keep it from being all it were meant to be. It may even look cruel when the gardener cuts the branches down to where the plant looks like nothing but a stump, but a wise gardener knows there is more inside that plant waiting to burst out. Hmm, Guillemin was right. Pruning is a necessary part of good gardening, but I don't see how that applies here. To my garden, Albert wasn't pruning, but destroying. It wasn't for the good of the garden, but for the good of a hungry, crazed cat, Liz replied, not emotionally, but with a very rational tone of voice. If you look at it on the surface, aye, that's what happened. But ye yourself said losing your garden helped to make your decision to leave and follow the fire cloud a bit easier, answered Max. Uh, what are you saying, Max? asked Liz. Perhaps the maker were the gardener, and you were the plant needing the prunin to get you moving, answered Max, not sure how this intelligent cat would respond. Liz looked at Max thoughtfully, but did not say anything right away. Those are indeed wise words, mon ami. There may be some truth to your hypothesis, but I have to look at what happened logically. As I explained, Albert destroyed my garden because he first ate the catnip, which induced a predictable behavior for a cat. Now, the logical thing to do is to proceed and leave this place, answered Liz. Well, they weren't my words, lass. I'm just repeating what Gilliman told me once when I were having a rough go of it. Don't you have faith that the Maker can allow things to happen that are for your good? asked Max. I believe in the Maker, of course. It would be foolish not to. There is too much evidence of his existence, no? But I must be able to explain things logically. I need things to make sense so there is order. And I've found there is a logical explanation for everything that happens. Answered Liz in response, 
putting her petite nose in a bloom to smell the fading fragrance. <laughs> then you must be smarter than I thought there, kitty lass. That's a pretty tall order you live by. I couldn't begin to try and explain everything. But, in a way, it must be harder for you, said Max, moving from a chuckle to a thoughtful tone. How so? Liz asked, looking him in the eye. Well, Gilliman told me that you can never know everything, and living with faith in the Maker is the only way to have any peace about things. If you have to explain everything, that doesn't leave much room for faith, said Max. Liz wrinkled her small brow as she thought about what Max said. Well, when the day comes when I abandon intellect for faith, that's the day that amazing things will truly happen. If I can't explain it, then I'll just have to believe it in faith, no? Liz said. Okay, lass, we'll just see. We'll just see, Max chuckled. Now on to more immediate matters. From what I can tell, you are clearly the guardian of this little group that has travelled from Scotland. It is evident that you are brave and smart to have figured out a way across the sea channel, said Liz. Max tried to interrupt and say he found the way by praying to the Maker, but Liz kept going. You are a formidable animal, quite capable of protecting us as we travel. I am too small for defense. My strength is my intellect. I know a great deal about the lands we will most likely travel through, having been there myself. Of course, I do not know where the fire cloud will ultimately lead us, but I do know it is currently headed southeast. I propose that we work as a team in leading this group of animals. I will be their primary leader on how we will travel, whereas you will be the primary leader on keeping us safe and lending the muscle behind our movement. Does this sound reasonable to you? asked Liz. Aye, I do like the way you think, even if I think you could do with a little less thinking sometimes. I gladly will let you lead us, and I'll protect us, said Max. Très bien, very well. Then we must talk to the others. I'm glad you came my way. It is wiser to travel in a large group, Liz replied. Funny how we came your way, isn't it, lass? Must be just a coincidence, then, said Max in a sarcastic tone and a grin. Liz ignored his comment, walking ahead to join the others. Max followed along behind. They soon rejoined Kate, Rudy, and Rosie. Uh, why don't you go wake up your friend, Albert? He needs to hear this. Liz said as she pointed to the lavender bush where Al lay. He was on his back. A big, goofy grin spread across his face as if he was dreaming of grandiose things. But he was a mess. Oh dear, Al needs a bath. Let's wake him, but do it gently, Kate said as Max walked over to where his destructive friend was dreamily sleeping. Max looked at Al and decided that he needed a firm awakening. He leaned over the sleeping, drooling cat and put his mouth right in his ear. Al! Henriette is coming for you! 
Al's eyes popped wide open, and he sat up with a start. Max started laughing at the look of fear on Al's face. Al heaved a sigh of relief when it was Max he saw and not the mean hen. He put his paw up to his head, holding it to get his balance. Max, am I glad to see you, lad. Oh, me aching head. Oh, me aching belly. Max, I done a terrible thing, said Al as he shook his head. I already heard all about it, lad. You were a bad kitty. Shame on you for destroying a whole garden. And a garden belonging to a bonny kitty lass, too, Max scolded Al. Sure, and you don't have to tell me, Max. I feel so bad about it all, and I already had a tongue lashing from the mean hen. But in spite of it all, it were amazing how Liz were so kind to me. I... She is a beautiful sight to see, said Al with a broad smile on his face. Kate and Liz watched Max and Al from a distance. Kate turned to Liz and said, Al really is a sweetheart. He is just very fearful sometimes, and he does have a large appetite. But I think you'll like him once you spend some time with him. Oui, I know. I can tell he is all of those things. Liz smiled as she replied. Henriette and Jacques walked toward them from up above on the path. Henriette commanded their conversation, talking continually all the way. Jacques's head looked forward, as if not listening to his bossy mate. Liz introduced her new friends to Henriette and Jacques. So, the crazy cat is with you? Henriette inquired of Kate. Well, it's more like we are all with each other. We traveled across the sea channel and now into France, following the fire cloud, explained Kate. Mademoiselle, did you hear this? These other creatures are following the fire cloud too. They heard the voice, no? Je ne comprends pas. What is happening? rambled Henriette. Henriette, please calm down. I'm sure Mademoiselle will explain everything, said Jacques. Then, looking at Kate... Bonjour, Kit. It is indeed a great pleasure to meet you. Please excuse my wife's brashness. She is really armless. Jacques reached down to kiss Kate's paw as she instinctively lifted it, blushing. I'd be delighted to meet you, Jacques. You have a beautiful country. I just love France. And your wife is quite colorful as well, replied Kate thoughtfully, trying to engender good feelings with Jacques. Attendez un moment, Henriette. I will explain everything as best I can, said Liz patiently as she looked over to see if Al was up. Max and Al were still talking. Al bowed down low on his front legs for a long stretch and a broad yawn. Then he shook vigorously, trying to rid his fur of the pieces of garden that clung to him. His stomach sloshed with the still undigested food, almost throwing him off balance. He looked at Max with a weak grin. Lad, you need to go on a diet, methinks. Maybe the slim French kitty can help you, teased Max as he looked at Al's big belly. Aye, that I should, and that she could, replied Al. He looked over to see Liz staring in his direction and smiled. Then he saw Henriette and cringed. Max, please protect me.
from the fat hen. She doesn't like me nearly a bit. <laughs> you're on your own with her, lad. You reap what you sow, and you done some sowing in this garden, said Max, as he trotted over to join Kate, Liz, and the others. Liz jumped up on a ledge so everyone could see and hear her. She looked at Al and smiled warmly. It is good to see you up, Belbel. Do you feel better? I thank you, Liz. That peppermint you gave me really did the trick, said Al, smiling back at Liz, but losing his smile when he glanced at Henriette, who gave him her mean look. Al moved behind Max. Rudy and Rosie landed on a nearby branch so they could hear Liz. All the others huddled in close so they could do the same. It has become obvious to me that what I thought may have been a single-directed mission from the maker is, in fact, something quite large in scope. I have studied the fire cloud for days now. It appeared after the maker distinctly told Henriette, Jacques, and me to come, follow the fire cloud. From what you have shared with me, each of you received the same message. Rudy and Rosie flew all the way across the Grey Sea from Argentina. Max and Kate came from Scotland, and Elbel from Ireland. There is a single message given to multiple creatures on different continents. A clear pattern is emerging, no? Look at the eight of us. Pearls, male and female, of young, healthy, diverse creatures. Birds of the air and creatures of the land have been called, but not the creatures in the sea. Liz stopped there, looking at the little band of animals below, wanting to explain more, but not having anything further to explain. It frustrated her not to have all the answers. She wasn't used to working this way. Ah, she's giddy, right? No, why didn't I see that? Two of each creature is what we've seen so far. Air beasties and land beasties, all with the same message. <laughs> You're a smart one, lass, exclaimed Max, feeling a sense of relief that he didn't have to be the brains of this mission anymore. Not that he minded learning as he went along, but he was glad to have some help with a partner to whom ideas and insights came easily. Still, he realized he would have to remain the leader who operated primarily on faith. Faith appeared to be a secondary guiding force for Liz. Max wondered if her intellect, seemingly her greatest strength, could also be her greatest weakness. But why do you suppose we've been cooled? And why not the sea beasties? asked Kate. Liz hesitated as she thought for a moment. I do not yet have enough facts for an accurate answer, Kate, but I would like to make the assumption that the reason either has nothing to do with the sea or everything to do with it. What do you suppose the maker is up to, senorita? asked Rudy. I would never presume to know what the maker is doing, especially without more facts. All we can go on now is what we know so far. The fire cloud is moving in a southeasterly direction, but is still for the moment. When it moves again, we will all follow it together. I predict that it will once again move at daybreak, explained Liz. 
Max and I discussed our situation. I have traveled uh, far and wide, and know much about this land and lands beyond. I will be able to guide us from what I know, and Max will be able to guard us on our way. Liz replied, looking at Max with a smile. Aye, and so will I, said Al. All the animals looked at Al as if he were crazy, which was really nothing new. You see, what did I tell you? Lesha et fou, huffed Henriette. <laughs> you think you can guard us then, Kitty, when you're terrified of this big hen? Max asked Al in a sarcastic tone. He then looked at Henriette. No offense, lass. Henriette stuck her beak in the air and grunted, Hmm! Liz told me that me name means noble, famous warrior. She thinks I'm noble, but need to grow into the other two words. I figure I best start trying to become famous and a warrior. And I figure this journey is probably a good way to learn. Al explained, Max was speechless. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. Al? A noble, famous warrior? It wasn't possible. Max looked up to see Liz smiling at Al, her tail slowly curling up and down. Can you tell me what Maximilian means then, lass? Hmm, I believe it means greatest, replied Liz. There, you see, I'm still the greatest, so let me take the lead then, warrior kitty, Max said with a wink to Al. Uh, Oh, Liz, what does me name mean? asked Kate, intrigued with all that Liz knew about names and, uh, apparently, everything else. Kate is a lovely name, mon ami. It means pure. Liz responded with a smile. Kate grinned her peppy grin and wagged her tail with enthusiasm. She liked her name, which was pure, like her beautiful white coat. And what about Henriette? asked Jacques, curious to see if names really mean things. Well, it means uh, ruler of the house, said Liz in a shy tone, worrying about offending the puffy hen or embarrassing the proud rooster. With that, everyone started laughing. How funny it was that the names matched up with the personalities of these creatures. Even Henriette liked the meaning of her name because, frankly, it was true. Jacques pecked her on the cheek. She might be bossy, but he loved her all the same. She always meant well, even when she didn't behave well. Now I would suggest that we all eat a good meal and get a solid night of rest for our travel tomorrow. And since we are leaving my garden, or what is left of it, we must enjoy it. Eat up and bon appetit, said Liz as she jumped off the ledge and walked over to Al. Max and Kate were starving, so they trotted off into the garden to enjoy the fruits of Liz's labor. Rudy and Rosie continued buzzing around the flowers, sipping the wonderful nectar, and Jacques and Henriette headed for the corn. Liz, knowing full well that Al had no interest in food at the moment, went to give him his assignment. He had said he wanted to make everything up to her. Now it was time for him to do just that. Oh, that were a great meal to get us ready to continue the journey. And we had fun learning about everyone's names. But you know, Kate had an interesting question there 
about how we land beasties were called to the fire cloud, but not the sea beasties. We, like Craddock the whale, and, though it is not often the case, I did not have a solid answer for her. Well, then I say we should head over to Jenny's corner and ask the author herself, Jenny Cote. Hey, Max and Liz. Hello, Miss Jenny. Uh, we're having a real head-scratcher here. And for once, Liz doesn't have an answer. Liz, what's on your brilliant mind today? Uh, well, Miss Jenny, it seems that we land animals had a specific call from the maker to follow the fire cloud. But Craddock the whale uh, never heard the voice to come to the cloud. Did Craddock and his friends from the sea make you scratch your head too? You know, Craddock really changed my thinking. Because I was imagining, okay, you've got all these land animals going on the ark. Well, what happened to the sea creatures? What happened to them? Were they affected? You know, you think about all of the water over the earth coming together, and, you know, some is salt, some is fresh. Well, what happened to those animals? And did they want to be near the ark? Did they gravitate around it? Something tells me they did. Because... The ark represented safety and to be where the maker was protecting everyone. And so I can imagine that even the sea creatures must have had some fear of what was happening to their watery world. And so it was really fun to think about the whales and the dolphin and the fish and what they might have done during the flood. Hmm. Thanks, lass. You gave us more to chew on, but I guess it's still a mystery then, eh, Les? Oui, which means we just need to keep telling this amazing story until we get to the bottom of it. To the bottom of the sea? <laughs> no, thank you. No, the bottom of the mystery. Uh, so, Monsieur Announcer, uh, what happens in our next episode? Well, Miss Petite Kitty, uh, we'll find out what it takes to really stump your brilliant mind. We'll check in with Noah and a turning point in his life. And Max, we'll find out that roosters can do more than just flap their wings. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. As we bring you three whole chapters in our next episode, so you won't want to miss it. See you then. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day. Au revoir, mes amis. Thanks for listening.